Hello, everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Farshtick. Welcome to the Resties, where the best of the rest, where the rest of the best <laughs> discuss the best of the rest. This week, we're talking about Japanese rural life adventure and cozy games and Moon Ring. Which maybe the least cozy game there is. <laughs> right, probably, but also just an exception to life. It's also free, but we'll get to that later. Before we can do any of that, I need your help on something. Oh boy. Okay. So here's here's the real truth. It's almost Halloween time. And this happens to me every single year. I don't plan for it, but I love celebrating it. So I, you know, I guess I plan for it and then I watch a ton of horror movies. But then Halloween comes around and I'm like, I need a costume. I need to dress up my kid. I have not gone shopping. The Halloween warehouse is completely gutted. What am I going to do? So basically, I'm wondering if you could help me come up with a way to create a Sonic the Hedgehog costume or maybe a Mario costume with what I have lying around my house. Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, there's quite a divide between those two costumes. Sure, sure. I mean, I think the Mario I could get, like, on lock because it's, like, jeans and, like, a... A, a red shirt. Yeah, right. I think I can do Well, that. but it's not even jeans. He needs overalls. He you don't have overalls lying around, do you? No, but you could, like, maybe take some jeans and then cut up some other jeans. And then oh, so him. you're going to be one sketchy Mario. Yeah, of course. I mean that. I, I think we've accepted that. I I have not gotten my shit together until the last minute. Yeah, it's not going to look great. Is uh, no. what I need is serviceable. You know, sure. Great isn't the enemy of the good. Is that is that the phrase? That's the exactly right. Yes, me getting my shit together. Well, do you have a list of the things in your house, and I could point to things that might be useful? Well, like so, I have some blue trash bags they're for recycling right okay and i thought i could like cut like three holes in it and then put my head and my arms through it uh-huh oh this is for sonic this is for sonic right so you're now trash bag sonic yeah and then i could like um i have some blue food coloring and i'm not gonna yeah. like put that directly on my face because that seems wrong but i do have some vanilla icing so i could like Fill that with the blue food coloring, mix it up, and then just kind of smear it over over my face and my hair. Okay, so so you're a blue icing trash bag Sonic. Right. And and is your intention to scar your child for life? Is that the plan, or is that just going to be a happy side effect? My child will be thrilled. I will have sugary treat on my face, and he will find that funny. <laughs> and that <laughs> Other children are not my concern, so long as I don't go to jail. Yeah, you know, well, um, what you've described might send you to jail. What I the problem really is like the only thing that I feel like I'm missing here is the shoes because everything else seems perfectly fine. It's all in the shoes, and it is. That's the that's the trouble with Sonic, and I think a lot of people make this mistake. You know, they get maybe like some blue sweatpants, they get a blue shirt, they get the blue icing on their face, but then they forget about the red shoes. Red and white shoes, very important. Yeah, and I don't know... I also don't think you're fast enough to be Sonic for what it's worth. That's why it's a costume. You know, like when you dress yeah. up as like the Terminator, I don't look at you and say, oh, you're not strong. You know? Well, it's an inward strength. 
Really? Sure, that's true. You're you you are the mental Terminator. That's what I've always <laughs> said about you. Um, uh, I think it's going to be a disaster. But you know what? So long as you take photos and you share them in the newsletter, everyone will be happy. I'm gonna. I'm I'm going to do that. I, I'm not. I don't know about the icing. That seems like it could be actually troubling. Yeah. I, I don't even know a... why you jumped to icing. You could just paint your face using like face paint that exists. No, but, no see, well, that, going and getting face paint, that's that's money. I actually think the icing thing. Icing is, is money. You have uh, icing growing on trees outside? No, like, are you kidding? Like Betty Crocker icing or whatever it is? That's money. <sighs> no, no. Not free. It has to be like a buck. I, I, I... <laughs> it's it's icing, Michael. How much could it cost? A dollar? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do this. I'm gonna. My child wants to be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. That feels very sure. doable to me. Like, does he know I, which I've, one he wants to be? We haven't decided yet. But yeah, but I, I do call. know a trick with this, which is green sweatpants, green sweatshirt, right? And then you get um, you know, the turkey baster, like the foil turkey basters. Yes. Get one of those, spray paint it green or, or like brown, and then you can use that as the shell. Am oh, I like a bad parent? The tray. I thought I was picturing like those tubes that you'd spray. Oh, no, no, no. Gravy. The tray. No, I'm not just going to like I was so cover confused. my child in like in, in basters. That's, yeah, that's yeah. probably a bad idea. Weird. Um, We've gone far enough. I, I really should just buy a costume. I think I'm going to humiliate everyone in my family. Sounds to me like a fun Halloween. <laughs> Let's go to the break and then we'll talk about some video games. Okay, we're back. Hey, everybody. It's us, Chris and Fresh, your best buds, the rest buds. And we are going to talk about Japanese rural life adventure. And every it time sounds I like say made up. It rural, sounds made up. Well, am I saying rural right? Because you rural. always make fun of me when I say roof. Like, yeah, like no, a... you are saying that's rural is fine. Yeah, you're okay. Good. It does sound like it's not a real game, which is pretty incredible in the age of you know, like the various insert thing plus simulator. It sounds like a game that someone writing an episode of Law and Order about video games would say is a video game. Or like if you asked an AI for like what are the best farming games? Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, Japanese real life adventure. And you'd be like, I don't think that's real. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is available on Apple Arcade right now. I think that's the way that you get it. I, I haven't. Yeah, seen I think it might be exclusive. Yet. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is my apologies to, to but, all the But Android I would listeners. tease this by saying if that aggravates you, you should wait until the second half of the show because there is a free game that everyone can enjoy. That's true. And also, hey, there are other ways to play Apple Arcade games, including on like an Apple TV or an iPad or other things. And we have a whole bunch of cozy games we're going to talk about, too. But let's talk about this one right now, because okay. it is it's unusual. And I I am it has me rethinking like what my expectations for a video game of this type should be. So the yeah. way it works is you um, uh, move into a decrepit um home in uh rural japan it's and... basically the house in totoro yeah kind of that's a nice because that house it. is fucked up too it's crumbling and there's like soot sprites it's not I mean, as cute as that house I that's true yeah yeah and your job is to clean up the house by doing very menial tasks like 
chopping up the weeds or uh, you don't wipe them. The floor. <laughs> Seems like. Yeah, clean the floor, uh, uh, pick up uh, various uh, flowers, break rocks, uh, you know, chop the wood, do those uh, things, which, you know, improves your stamina as you do more and more of these things. And then you can kind of start selling some of that stuff. So you can sell a bundle of flowers to get some money. And uh, that is with a a delivery person who comes every day at one o'clock in a cool old truck. And then in the morning, you can meet the older woman who comes by and wants to sell you stuff. So you can use that money to buy various seeds. And now you've got a farm going. Or maybe you want to buy some paper to fix up your walls in in your uh, house. Uh, And then as you do all those things, then that opens up the opportunity to access new areas. So now you can go to the shrine. And once you go to the shrine, maybe that opens up the ability to adopt a dog. And it just is incremental bits of change. The big difference here, though, between this and something like a Harvest Moon or a Stardew Valley is there's very little control. Yeah. You are expected to do everything as the game demands it, to the point where... There is only one place to plant certain types of trees. So you buy it and you plant it there. When you lay um, stones on the ground uh, to make a pathway to your house, those stones are going to go to the same way, whether I'm playing or Frush is playing or somebody plays, you know, 100 years from now. Um, It is all predetermined. You just need to fulfill the process, which... I think is interesting because it's taking away a lot of why I think people like games like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. They like that experience of making their own farm. But for me, somebody who gets FOMO when I see how amazing everybody else's stuff looks, it's been kind of nice for me not to fret over the design and to just enjoy the process, which is effectively chores. And yet here I am. And you, yeah, it, you know at the end you're going to end with something aesthetically pleasing. You're not yes. going to have like an uggo farm where all the tomatoes and the strawberries clash and it looks horrible. You know that it's going to look like a nice rural riverside chill pad. And that's, I guess, pretty nice. I, I am of the mind that I need to feel like I'm having some choice and some impact to feel like I'm doing anything of substance, even though it's not sub, you know, whatever. Stardew Valley, not necessarily substance, but I need to feel like I have some impact on the world. Whereas here, it definitely the the guided nature of it made me feel like I had very little. Yeah, and I I think that is what's going to divide the people who love this game and the people who bounce off. Um, I feel like I am somewhere in the middle. I I agree. I just we've been playing games for a long time and I'm, we're just used to having like more gaminess to it. But I, I'm glad something like this exists because it feels like a fulfillment of the cozy game promise, which is there are a lot of quote cozy games out there. And we'll get more into the definition of what this little micro genre niche is later, but they still ask a lot of you. Like, yeah. there's a lot of work to playing them, and they can be quite Not even work of complexity. I mean, you look at yeah. Stardew Valley, and it has, obviously, the planting, the farm, and placing furniture in your house. But there's also, like, oh, 
here's every villager and every villager has a different like and a dislike and you need to remember what things they like and what they dislike and you're trying to complete these tasks and you're trying to complete these quests and there's like a lot to focus on so if you were like a new gamer stardew valley is like a lot to take in like i couldn't give stardew valley my mom I, yeah i would give her this game yeah, and you're right. It feels like the perfect on-ramp to that sort of game. And also, yeah. the rewards are all there, which, yeah. you know, the best part of uh, Stardew Valley is where it's like, oh, the festival comes, or oh, you get to chill out at night in your little bathtub after a hard Or just the work. productivity rewards, like you're faster doing the things you were previously struggling with, with right. shortcuts and various other things. Yeah, and, and I think it is good about making sure it doesn't cut any of that stuff. Um, all, all of that is still very much the, I guess, the entire point of this game. I, I think, uh, like a lot of cozy games, the aesthetic is what carries it. Yeah. Um, can you describe kind of like what it looks and feels like? I mean, it looks like cozy River City Ransom is what yeah. it looks like. <laughs> that now it's just like pixelated and cartoony and just like very chill and, uh, like if you were playing an SNES farming sim game i guess there were some like harvest moon games on snes it is in that milieu very autumnal yes yeah i um it also is a vertical mode for this game oh yeah and can be played with one hand which uh always a fan of the there's something it just feels good most of the time when you pick weeds you walk past them but then you kind of swipe your thumb across the screen and you get them all at once it's a little strange to me why certain things are very easy and natural like that, but then yeah. planting things and watering them is just as uh, irritating and time-consuming as it was in the original Stardew Valley, um, for, you know, early version of it, um, or, or I guess more appropriately Harvest Moon where you're planting individual seeds and doing individual watering at first. Um, but yeah, overall it feels very very good and it is easy to just kind of you know pull up on your phone while you're watching something that kind of passively or or i guess on a commute yeah 100 percent. no I, I i get the draw of it i'm kind of of the mind that i can do one of these every once every like two or three years and i'll like get super hard hardcore into animal crossing or stardew valley and I'll play a ton and get really into it. And then my tolerance for them like kind of falls off a cliff for a while. I am kind of in that ebb at the moment. Not everyone is. So like if you're ready and willing to jump into another one, go for it. This is a very good one. But like it's hard for me to like because I know what the end game is. Like I know it's going to be like a fun bustling sit, you know, town and my house is going to look great. and I'm going to feel really satisfied but like knowing the end of the road kind of takes yeah. a little bit of the thrill out of it for me. No, for sure. I think that makes perfect sense. I also know I when I mentioned um, Japanese language learning on a episode a few weeks back, uh, a handful of people responded to the comments about their experience learning too. And I will say for this game, there's there's a Japanese, you can change the language in it. And um, it's really, really simple language. So it's kind of a great tool for that, I have found. Um, being able to, I, I kind of just switch back and forth because you're repeating a lot of the language 
over and over and over each day within the game. So being able to do a day in English and a day in Japanese has been really helpful. I think there are other languages in there. So if that is the case, I imagine that would be true for any of the languages in here. Um, Just a good repetition and a lot of words that you would probably use throughout a a typical day, which is really neat. Um, I want to tie this into a larger conversation about cozy games and this kind of phenomenon of like, how, how did it come to be? What is it? And, and kind of what are our favorites? So can you, how, how would you describe the cozy game and, and where it came from? I mean, arguably the origins of it, I would look to something like Harvest Moon because, you know, you're looking at like the mid 90s and the idea of like a game that wasn't a shoot 'em up or a fighting game or a shooter or whatever it is. It was just like chill on a farm. I don't think it hit the mainstream appeal until more recently when you saw the rise of farming sim games, the farm villas of the world, and obviously Stardew Valley. But, you know, we've seen a lot of different games try to approach the vibes of games like that that aren't necessarily farming games. Like, for example, Spiritfarer is, you know, a game that involves, like, ferrying dead people across the River Styx, and yet it is a cozy game because it's just, like, it matches that vibe of chill, low-key, like, you're not going to be stressed out necessarily by what you're doing. Um, so it, yeah, it's kind of been a long road, but now I think it's like a major staple of video games. Yeah. I also wonder how much of it is an aesthetic versus a style of play because yeah, spirit fair, I think Dorf Romantic comes to mind unpacking and very much so, but what do you think of a game like Tetris effect? Yeah, no, I know, I know where you're going. It's not, that is not, I mean, Look, I'm not one to say what makes you cozy, go for it. But Tetris Effect has like one cozy level and then everything after that is pretty uncozy, in my opinion. It gets pretty intense sure, in sure, a good sure. way. I love that game. Awesome game. But it, it's that's a pretty crazy game. Well, here, Here's another example that's not the, it doesn't have quite the cozy aesthetic, but I think has the vibes, is Grow Up. Do I don't think I played game? that. Remember, uh, I think we did. I think we all did. It was a a Ubisoft game. And you uh, were this like a little red robot and you would plant seeds and you would grow these giant vines that went like up to the sky, kind of Jack and the Beanstalk style. And it was an entire game about climbing. I don't think um, I played this game. Really? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, oh, you know what it was? Was it Grow Home? Was that the first one? There's like two of these, I think. I think Grow Home was... I don't think I played either of them. Yeah, Grow Home was the first one. Grow Home was in 2015. Grow Up was like right after this. I I cannot believe you did not play these. I don't think I did. We need to remedy this. But this this is like proto-cozy game to me. It it is not quite doing the, again, the autumnal, almost cottagecore style. But it was... weird to see an experiment like this from a major studio that is really just about the vibe of moving upward um, in in beautiful nature and uh, just kind of chilling out. It's a great, great series. Grow Home, great title. Grow Up, not a great title because your SEO, your Google juice is going to be Yeah, it's hard to search for that game. 
you did you did list another game on here which i think is much more in line with the traditional vibes of a cozy game and that was a short hike oh yeah which uh was is a tremendously good highly recommend it it's frequently on steam sales and stuff like that um it's like a three hour you're at like a camp ground and you're a bird and you're exploring the campground and talking to people and doing like mini quests and stuff like that but man that put me in such a state it was such like a nice experience yeah for me that's the essential like cozy game yeah from my version of of it because there's there's no like perfect uh, definition of this but what i like things like stardew valley i like things like um unpacking to some degree here uh dreamlight valley or, or whatnot but there's still a lot of work to it. There's still a lot of following the systems. There can be even some stress and deadlines. A short hike is, it's got that look, it's got that music, and you, it, you, could, you could follow the main path, or you can just fly around like a cool bird. Um, that's, that is that's not my favorite game. cozy game, though. Oh, I, I know what you're going to say your favorite cozy game is. And I, I would challenge you on whether or not this is a cozy game. Can I guess? Yeah, I guess. Your favorite cozy game is going to be Desert Golfing. Well, did you? is it because you saw it in the rundown? You just read it? It's not guessing. Yes, but I also That does not it. count as guessing. I've known, you, I have known you long enough to know, of course, this would be. Of course, this would be your favorite. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've talked about Desert Golfing on yeah. the podcast before. It's a mobile game where you are golfing into infinity. It's just a 2D side-scrolling golf game i am on hole 1332 of the longest golf course ever made and it's fucking great there's no like graphics really the closest it gets to being graphics is like every 300 holes a cloud might float by like that's it um but it is a very meditative zen-like experience where you're just trying to like finish each hole of golf and I have had it installed on every iPhone I've had since it launched. It might be on Android too. Please uh, search it and and see. Because if it is, this game fucking rules. Um, whenever I'm in the subway and I get stuck in the subway, bam, desert golfing. Whenever I'm watching something on Netflix and I'm like, don't, I'm not super into it, desert golfing. Can I ask you a personal question about this game? Sure. Do you think that there is a Jewish reading of desert golfing and the oh, philosophy? Oh, lo- lost in the desert for 40 years kind of thing? Well, that that for sure, but also the, like, what does it all mean? I, good luck. We'll probably never know. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a nihilist. So that's a nihilist approach to well, desert golfing, and well, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's nihilism, though. Like, I think, um, you know, like, Coen Brothers is a serious man, right? Like, it's not— that's a f- downer movie dog that's a good movie it's a good movie it's a downer movie i always feel better after that movie do you after the tornado kills everyone (laughs) we don't know if it does but i (laughs) what i I, well i'm also a sucker for job stories in general but i i i think that there's something very comforting about like hey life throws you a lot of curveballs and you just you just keep rolling and maybe it'll keep Mm. going maybe it'll keep ending I don't know. I I find that personally soothing. That is a okay. Ball I don't interpret. Soul. I don't interpret desert golfing that way. I think desert golfing, quite simply, is a game about enjoying the journey, not the destination, because there is no destination. <laughs> so you better enjoy the journey, and and I do. 
it's that's just like the a very... meaning of of a serious man. They 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 quote Jefferson Airplane. How you know you gotta one pill makes you smaller. That's true. That's so true. That's real deep. Um, this is good. This this is a lot of good games. I uh, yeah. we'll put this in the um in the newsletter. Just all of these little delights, which I think folks will enjoy. The other thing I will say, and I actually just heard about this, so people should check it out. Our um, friend and colleague, Nicole Carpenter at Polygon, is going to appear on NPR's 1A to talk about cozy games in an upcoming episode, which actually should already be out, definitely be out by the time that you hear this. So I'll make sure that we include that in the newsletter, too. Cool. Um, You want to talk about a free game that is better than, like, most games? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Cool. Let's take a break, and we will talk about Moonring right after this. Okay, so we're back, and we have to talk about Moonring. Set us up on, like, how you heard about this, why it matters, and and then we can go from there. Sure. So a friend of the show, Zach Gage, uh, creator of uh, Ridiculous Fishing and Spell Tower, very good indie developer, uh, mentioned to me that he was playing this game Moonring and he said it was incredible. And I, having, you know, this podcast and having the job that I do, it is so rare that someone is like, hey, have you heard about this amazing game? And I can say, no, I've literally never heard of it. And in this case, I had literally never heard of the game Moonring. So I was very pleased to go check it out. Uh, uh, I downloaded it on Steam. As of this recording... It has like 120 reviews on Steam, which as a frame of reference is like basically zero reviews on Steam. Uh, Most like hit games have like 50,000 reviews, 100,000 reviews. This game has 120, which is a real shame because A, it's free and B, it fucking rules. uh, And I'm really impressed by it. Okay, backstory. This game is made by Dean Carter. You might know Dean Carter's name because he worked on Fable. He was actually one of the co-creators of Fable alongside the one and only Peter Molyneux and has been making games for decades. So he's like a very established game designer based in the UK and I guess has a real love for an era of video games that kind of peaked before I was really even playing them. And that was like the early top-down Ultima style of RPG. These enormous, kind of intimidating, overwhelming, but also like very well-designed RPGs where you can have like free reign over an, and like a huge open world and all of the gameplay systems really interact in interesting ways. But obviously from a graphical standpoint, it's all very, very simple and 2D and, you know, basic. And that is what Moonring was inspired by. But Dean Carter has introduced a number of, uh, I guess, quality of life features that kind of modernize the experience in really smart ways to make it so that someone who's never played one of those games, i.e. me, can get into this game and have a really good time. And I have. Yeah, quality of life improvement is a vast understatement. I mean, it's the right it's the right phrasing, but it's such a stark change over how these games actually played back in the day. Yeah, I'll give you a simple example. Um, traditionally, 
there'd be like armor. You'd say you, you're, you're a knight and you're running around and you find some armor and the armor might decrease the amount of damage that you take. There is armor in Moonring. You can pick up armor. It'll, it will decrease some of the damage, but you also have a system called poise and poise is basically like a shield that regenerates when you're not in combat. And it allows you to essentially take damage, but not have it be so punishing that, oh, no, I'm going to have to take a health potion now. So long as you don't go under your kind of poise meter, you're fine. You can kind of like disengage and and run away a little bit and get your advantage back. So that's like a very basic uh, example of the way uh, the systems are at work. And they all serve the greater good of the point of the game, which is this is a game about role playing or having an adventure. It is not a game about uh, managing inventory, which is that's I think, true. the risk that you always run into with these sorts of things is they purport to be one thing, but because of their design, they end up becoming another thing. Yeah, I mean, there is an inventory system, but you're not picking up staplers like you are in Starfield. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything that you get has some major utility, whether it's brewing potions or armor or uh, I found I found these scraps of metal that I could then use to repair a robot buddy that now follows me around and kicks everyone's ass. Um, the scope of this game is wild. You start off, you're just on a farm, um, and you're kind of given a clue like, hey, you should check out this uh, storage house, whatever. And in the storage house, you find a key. And in the, the key, you find to a chest. And inside the chest is a note. Kind of leads you eventually to a capital city and in that capital city they're like obsessed with these gods and there's gods that are very important to this giant open world that kind of dictate how everyone acts and who they follow and what their abilities are and the gods are how the game handles character customization who you align with will determine your abilities and and your skills and even your stats so for example i found a god that was basically the Joker from Batman. All of his <laughs> abilities rely on being, quote, mad. But remember, these are British people. So, you know, crazy insofar as like you'll run around and you can activate like a skill that'll allow you to enter kind of a madness state where you'll do way more damage and kind of like yell gibberish at people. But if you get hit, while in that state, you'll get stunned. So there's this balance of like, oh, do I want to activate this madness skill and get this increase of damage? But, there, you know, you have that risk reward. So you can really role play as like, in this case, fantasy Joker <laughs> running around throwing knives at people. But if you get hit once, you're just like kind of stumbling around uh, stunned all the time. So there are these like very interesting like, kind of unexpected uh, archetypes that you can roll into using these god systems in like really smart ways. Yeah. I was like massively intimidated for the first hour, but slowly but surely I've been able to ease my way into it. And I like found the discord for the game and they've been really helpful, but because it doesn't have a huge following yet, like there aren't a ton of guides for this game yet. I do think over time, given the fact that it's free and incredibly well-made, it will find its audience. But right now, it's just like kind of really cool to just like figure it out, figure it out on its own terms. Yeah, yeah. This is a chance for people who are listening to the show. If you haven't heard about it already, it's not already out there by the time this you listen to this. 
to get the experience that Fresh and I get a lot at Polygon, where you have something kind of before the world discovers it. And it is nice. And the bummer is, yeah, you don't have all the guides to turn to. It sounds like the Discord community helps. But there's something really cool about being able to play a game without the hype cycle around it and without all the other outstanding, you know, variables. Um, In the same way that if you've ever had the chance to go to, you know, a surprise movie screening before a movie comes out or or a movie festival or any of those things, seeing it before the trailers exist is is a real trip. Um, Yeah, and on your note of being able to get into it, I, I think the readability of the game is just pretty impressive. And by that, I mean both like, playing it readability in that you know where something like this might have even been an ascii game back in the day and by that i mean yeah. represented by numbers and symbols and letters the visuals here are very 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 clear you can tell what's happening and um for example your character can get wet it there's a little bar that shows your character status and it tells you that you are wet you're not having to like (laughs) figure out like hey there's a squiggle over my line and then i have to look up in some you know forum from 20 years ago oh that means i'm wet and it'll variable rate it yada 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 and it should it should be noted there's like gameplay implications if you like get drenched from the rain you know you might take more lightning damage for example there's like every all these status effects and there are many of them all have major impacts on the gameplay in really interesting ways. Yeah, yeah. The other readability thing is it just is good about saving the text that you work through because there is a lot of text in this game. Yeah. And there is a lot of fantasy terminology and whatnot. And being able to easily parse through that so you're not lost is a huge help. Um, This is definitely the sort of game that when you played in the early 80s when this sort of thing came out or like the early i guess early 80s to like the what would you say like late 80s was yeah it was, it was really like peaky yeah yeah all, all 80s um you you had to have a notebook and you right. had to write things down and you had to not only write down what worked in the information like that but also write down what you tried that didn't work so you knew yeah. not to do it over and over again yeah um, the, the designer has said that the notes in the game, and there there are notes that constantly update as you get you know more information about a quest, for example. Those are designed to replace the experience of actually writing stuff down, because they know oh this is important it's going to be saved so that you don't get lost or anything like that. Yeah, that said, it still leaves room for the old school vibe and the old school player. So the you know the conversation system where as you talk with somebody, words are added to your kind of notebook, I guess, and they float around a character, and then you type in those words to continue the conversation. Uh, that, I guess, like word cloud that you literally form in the game and then you can use. That is one way of navigating the story, um, which is great. So if I talk to Fresh and he says, there's danger out beyond the pines, and then beyond the pines is floating over my head, So I know to type Beyond the Pines, and then Fresh goes, ah, yes, Beyond the Pines, that's where I saw the (laughs) ancient juggalo werewolf. Um, (laughs) Then I would like, no, okay, I got new information. But before all of this, if I understand this game correctly, if I had been like, you know, based off of other characters I've talked to and stuff I've seen in this world, I bet this character knows something about juggalo werewolves. Yeah. 
I could type that in, and if and if I just knew it, even without appearing beforehand, it would be like, okay, you've sure. Let, let's skip to that part of the conversation. Yeah, I don't. That might be true. I, I've actually not tried it. Um, it says you it, can type things that have not been mentioned yet. Okay, yeah. I've, yes, I've so. tried it with like some NPCs where I there is a character called the Arat Arachan. Archon? 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 Sure, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I like I have mentioned it to a few different characters and gotten responses even when I don't have any text to show. Yeah, that's cool. That's like um, a really nice touch. I mean, that's a more evidence that maybe you should be mindful of what you're reading because you could arguably, like, who knows? There might be a, a passphrase that you could say to the first guy you meet in the game that, like, gives you the best armor ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Which is kind of cool, actually, to have it that open. This, it's a really special game. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I, the, it's really, I, 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 I somehow worry that we're underselling this despite our enthusiasm. It I, is really hard to put into words, but I do think it's really interesting, mostly just in the context of like to see the origins of a game like Skyrim. Like I can see it in this. But I also think the decisions that you're making and the like combat mechanics here are a lot more interesting than just like, oh, I'm going to fire off my best spell. Like in combat, because everything is quasi turn based, like when you move, they move kind of thing. Like every turn matters a whole heck of a lot. So the fact that I can, oh, I'm going to cast a spell this turn so that when I move, this guy is going to be stunned, but his enemies are going to run into him and they're going to take damage from the spell I just casted. Like it's a little more tactical than like an action RPG, like a Skyrim, for example. So, but, but I can sense the, like the ambition of this game or games like this informing what were the earliest versions of the Elder Scrolls games and kind of determining how those games grew out of it. So, you know, over the course of this year, we've been talking about like reading list games. And honestly, like, I think we might have to add at least one of these type of games in our list because you can really see how other RPGs have evolved from this format. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that is spot on. Um, do we do we have anything else? I think that's basically it. Um, just as a reminder, this game is completely free. Uh, you can download <laughs> it on Steam. You can download it on HIO. It's basically on, I think it's on PC and Mac, although I've heard the Mac version is a little bit behind where the PC version's at. Um, I got it to work on Steam Deck. I wouldn't necessarily encourage that because there are some elements that are a little hinky on Steam Deck, specifically it's designed to be played with a mouse and keyboard. Somebody on Steam Deck, because Steam Deck has that like very cool community controller layouts option where you can just like use other layouts that other players have used. So I used one of those and it's been working pretty well. I had to tweak it a little bit specifically to get the keyboard working, but uh, it's playable. Um, but if you're looking to just like test it out, I'd recommend just downloading it on a Mac or a PC and yeah. playing it with a mouse and keyboard just to like get your feet wet. And then if you get really into it and want to play it in, more, uh, in a portable setting, you have that option. I also but, don't think it's on Mac officially yet. Okay. Yeah, I've tried that might have been just Zach being a, a, a cool insider dude. Yes, but I hope that's true that it's coming to Mac because I it would be great to play this on a laptop. Yeah. 
Um, well, they make PC laptops, Chris Plant. Just mm, a heads up. No, that doesn't sound right. I think no. <laughs> um, hey, do we have any honorable mentions that we should talk about? Oh, I have something that I have not watched yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have watched it by the time this episode airs, and I feel pretty confident that I'll have enjoyed it. Which is Wes Anderson has new Roald Dahl adaptations on Netflix. Do you know about this? No, I don't. Yeah, he released like three or four, I think three, short films on Netflix that range, I think, between like a half hour and an hour. And they're all based off of Roald Dahl stories, and they all look great. I The people I follow on Letterboxd seem to love them. Uh, I feel like Wes Anderson has been on a hot streak uh, really since well, right the day after Isle of Dogs came out. From then on, it's been going really well. Wait, 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 wait. Do you not like Isle of Dogs? It's not bad, but it's not, it's not. I like it, that movie, a lot. I like yeah? that movie a lot. Yeah, I actually do. I I think I like Fantastic Mr. Fox so much that I- also I, love that. I, yeah, I might be bringing too much uh, expectation to Isle of Dogs. I should go back and watch it. See, because it's not just- Island, like Island of Dogs. It's like I Love Dogs, but it's spelled Isle. I Love Dogs. Wow. Maybe that's why you didn't like it. Do you think that was intentional? Yeah, I think it was. That I Love Dogs does not feel like the sort of bumper sticker Wes Anderson keeps on the back of his, you know, like (laughs) vintage pickup truck or whatever he drives. Um, uh, Anyway, that is exciting. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, so it's cool to see him doing more Roald Dahl stuff. Um, and I, I read a lot of those books as a kid. So that is complicated figure old doll, but you yeah, know, the certainly Anderson... not, not a great human guy with good opinions on things. Great writer though. Great writer. And unfortunately that is a common situation where <laughs> someone who is artistically very talented is also a bit of a shit heel. So, you know. Torn, make it make a decision for yourself whether you want to experience it. But I do like Wes Anderson stuff. Oh yeah. So and it's okay to be torn. Natalie Bruglia taught us so much. She did. Know? She did. Um, what about you? In anything that you want to share? You got nothing. You had so much time to come up with something while I yammered. I was on. distracted. You were so excited. You were you were on Netflix adding it to your queue, and you couldn't be bothered to come up with some sort of Halloween-flavored movie and or video game that could get everybody really excited. People love your recommendations, and you're letting them down. Yeah, I don't know, man. Nothing? I, I well, the, the problem is everything that I've recommended on this show before, Reservation Dogs, which I'm still watching and still enjoying. I'm watching season three now. Mm-hmm. Dynamite. Love it. Um... We talked about uh, that ridiculous Brian De Palma movie, didn't we? What is what is your favorite throwback Halloween movie? Like when you want to get nostalgic for childhood, what what Halloween thing do you put on? Yeah, it's probably Hocus Pocus. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's a little bit of a basic pick, or, or Nightmare Before Christmas. Even though arguably that's a Christmas movie, uh, but I don't like. Because we've discussed this. I'm not really like a horror guy. So it's not like I'm going to watch Friday the 13th or anything like that. I do like Nothing But Trouble, but that's not really a Halloween movie. Um, you ever see that movie Freaks? Yeah, that movie's really upsetting. Not not the original Freaks, but okay. the, the one with uh, 
the guy from Bill and Ted. Not Keanu Reeves. No, not the not the very well known one. I mean Freaks and Geeks, the Jed Apatow produced television. No, no, series. no, no, no. You mean Freaks with Emil Hirsch? What are you talking? We're about? just gonna cut. We're just gonna cut. No, no, no. This is staying in the show. You walked into in, into a, a puzzle box, and I'm trying to find a way to get you out. But I I think we're good. I think we're good. Alex Winter starred in a movie. Alex. Called, in the movie. I think called, it was called Freaked. Called it was on Freaked. With, Freaked. Yes, and it was with Brooke Shields, William Sadler. And... It was on Loop on Comedy Central. It must have cost them ten dollars to license for Comedy Central. Wow! They constantly, it and is, it's... and the poster is. I mean, upsetting wouldn't begin to explain what I'm. Yeah, so at. one of the characters is just a worm man. And one of the characters is just a big nose. And one of the characters is a human cow. And the idea is he is uh, sucked into a freak show and like forced to like live among the other freaks. Wow. Yeah, I don't even know if it holds up because I haven't seen it in about 20 years. But IMDb says it's 6.3. And for a comedy, that's pretty good. Dude, John Hawks is in this. <laughs> Wow, a very young John Hawks. Who does he play? He plays cowboy. John Hawks plays the man who's a cow. Wow. That's amazing. Was this like John Hawks' first role? One of the earliest, man. We have taken quite the road here. Mr. Wow. T is in it. Okay, this is... I don't know if I could watch this. I, I truly don't. I, I think I you like, have to watch it now. I like weird stuff. This like actually makes me kind of queasy the the it's like the makeup effects of like it looks like a person's a giant nose yeah he is a nose okay yeah i don't i don't think that's gonna happen um maybe 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 i'll try it probably not um can we wrap up the show so i don't have to think about this movie ever again oh yeah that'd be good let's do that cool that sounds great hey hey you listener of the show we just want to say thank you for listening. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. And we hope that you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy talking with each other. Um, this has been another episode of The Resties. If you want to know more about all the games and uh, movies and freaks that we talked about, you can find that at besties.fan. That's our newsletter. We can include links to everything, so it's like really easy to use. We're pretty pretty into it um but otherwise that's it i'm christopher thomas plant you are crushed and this is the resties where the best of the rest talk about the rest of the best resties, resties.